At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever been interested in taking meaningful and eye-catching self-portraits? If so, our self-portrait of photography indoors on a budget course is perfect for you. I'm actually the instructor and I'll be teaching you how to take really beautiful photographs of yourself indoors without investing in any other equipment. These lessons are all about making the most of what you have, experienced or not, and telling an authentic story. There are 30 video lessons that include quizzes, a community of photographers, random surprises, and much more. This is an incredible opportunity for you to improve your self-portrait photography skills and to impress everyone around you. I have a very special discount code just for our podcast listeners. We're offering a 50% discount code just for you. Use this code to claim your discount, Portrait50. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talk to the very talented American photographer, David Ulrich. David has been teaching photography at university for over 40 years, and he has a very impressive portfolio of work. We talk about his life as a teacher, how it has influenced his photography, his latest book on mindful photography, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, David. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Well, hi, Taya, and hello, everyone out there. My name is David Ulrich. I'm a photographer, a writer, and a teacher. I've just recently written a book called The Mindful Photographer, Awake in the World with a Camera. That book is a companion book to my earlier book, called Zen Camera, Creative Awakening with a Daily Practice in Photography. And I've been a photographer for decades. My first camera was given to me as a Christmas gift by my parents at age 11. Uh, I live currently in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I'm, I'm very happy to be 
speaking to you in Eastern Europe. My grandfather was born in Kiev and my other grandfather was born in Poland. Wonderful. So that's a, a very brief introduction to who I am. That's a great introduction. I'm happy that we have this geographical connection thanks to our histories. And I really look forward to having this conversation with you. Let's start talking about your book, The Mindful Photographer, Awake in the World with a Camera. What is the main inspiration behind this book? Well, the main inspiration behind the book, um, the genesis of the book began decades ago. I read a book by Natalie Goldberg, who's a writer, and the book is called Writing Down the Bones. It's a series of short, discreet essays on the craft of writing. It's an excellent and very popular book. It sold literally around 4 million copies. And what was interesting about that book, it's about 60 very short, two or three page essays on the craft of writing. And I thought, wow, this would be an interesting format to do for photography. And a couple of years ago, I decided to write this book. And of course, my background is working with the photographer Minor White, who was a very influential mid 20th century photography. And what he taught was beyond photography. He taught the art of seeing. And he taught it from a mindful perspective. And I wanted to write a book um, creating a link between the practice of mindfulness and the act of seeing with a camera. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's very beautiful that instead of just taking pictures, you learn how to see them and you learn how to look at the world from a different perspective. And another... Yeah, you know that uh, one other thing, Dorothea Lange, the Depression-era era photographer, she said, and I agree with this, she said, a camera is an instrument that teaches people how to see without a camera. Yeah, that's a very profound statement. And I mean, for me as well, I've been taking photos for a while and after using the camera for a few years, I started to see the world a different way. I started to appreciate details more. And it was such a magical experience for me. I'm sure that many photographers can relate to that. Absolutely. In fact, I think when you have a camera in your hand, it becomes an invitation to see more deeply, to be more present to the world itself. You know, I get a little disturbed by social media where everybody's doing selfies. They're only taking pictures of themselves. And I think a camera is a powerful instrument to explore the world. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think it's an opportunity to, to make change, as you mentioned in your book. I appreciate all the chapters that you dedicated to focusing on change, on positive change in the world. You mentioned many times that the way that we see the world is unique and we can use that to make a positive change in our community, in the world, and we can also utilize social media to make great changes in, in, related to anything that we like, essentially. It's very powerful. And when you realize that, you completely approach photography a different way, right? Yes, I believe so. I believe that what is really interesting to me as a teacher is that by the second or third class, I can tell whose photographs are whose. Which photographs belong to which student? Everybody is unique. Everybody has a highly individual way of seeing the world. 
And I think that's what makes photography beautiful is the diversity. I see the world one way, you see it another way. Somebody else sees it another way and we can, you know, inspire each other. And most importantly, we can learn from each other. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, that you are a teacher, an educator, a mentor, and you often work with students around the world, both online and offline. Uh, you mentioned yes, as I, well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I work with college students, and I also do a lot of community teaching, which is both on Zoom and in the community. I, I live in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I do a lot of teaching on Zoom because, you know, geographically, I'm so isolated. Yes. So in your book, I remember you mentioned uh, something that really stood out to me. You said that a teacher usually learns more than the students do uh, because the students are, they have different perspectives and there's always an opportunity to learn something about yourself through those students. So I'm curious to know, what have you learned about yourself as a photographer while teaching others about photography? Well, that's a very good question. I think that being a teacher is complicated because you really have to pay attention to the student. You have to understand what their needs are. Sometimes the need is to be supportive. At other times, the need is to challenge. So what I constantly witness in myself is the fact that I'm not always attentive. Like most people, I'm very distracted. My mind goes all over the place. And teaching puts me in front of the need to be present, the need to be in the moment. Because if I'm not present, it's other people that I'm affecting. So ironically, what I, what I observe in teaching is my own limitations and how much work it takes to really be present and to serve the needs of the individual student. Uh, the other thing I have to say is that teaching is a community and just looking at student work and witnessing their breakthroughs and witnessing their struggles has taught me a great deal about the creative process. That's a very interesting does that answer. Make, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Definitely makes sense. And yes, it's a very interesting answer. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a huge responsibility to teach someone, to give them advice, because as you said, they're, they're relying on you. And they, they come to you for advice. So it's, it's your responsibility to give them something that will hopefully help them improve. And Yeah, and you're functioning with college students. Sometimes I feel I'm functioning like a parent. You know, it, it's my job to help influence them to lead a good life, to have the right values, to treat each other with kindness and respect. And I take that responsibility very seriously. I, I my aim, my mission is to awaken creativity in people and to help them learn to see. For me, that's more important than learning photography. I like that perspective, because once you have that foundation in your life, then you will be able to enjoy any art form, and you'll be able to look at the world through those art forms in any way you like. 
So yeah, I would, yeah, I prefer that perspective. It's uh, I would say much more holistic in my opinion. I'm not sure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I think that's a good way of putting it. Mm. It's much more holistic. Absolutely. I know that uh, camera equipment uh, isn't the most important thing in the world, but I'm sure that some of the listeners are curious to know what you use specifically. So could you let us know what camera gear you have? Of course. First of all, I want to say, I think the most important equipment is the eye and mind of the photographer. With that said, I use different kinds of equipment for different jobs. For most of my career, I used a five by seven inch view camera with sheet film. I still use that occasionally. Most of my work now is digital. And I use a cell phone for sketching out ideas. And I use a Sony camera for my serious work. And I've, I switched from Canon to Sony a few years ago and I haven't looked back. That's a great collection of camera equipment. And I like that you use your smartphone <laughs> camera to sketch ideas. And you talk about that in your book as well, that you use that as a form of just sketching, essentially. And that's how you look at yeah, it. Yeah, it, because the cell phone, the smartphone camera, it's always in your pocket. It's always with you. And so it becomes a way of, of um, you know, like a musician plays their scales. It becomes a way of practicing. It becomes a way of sketching. It becomes a way of interacting with the world when you're out and you see something interesting. So I actually use the cell phone camera a lot, but I don't use it for my serious work. I really do use it mostly for sketching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of the term sketching in the photography world specifically. So I really am intrigued by this. And after I read a few chapters in your book, I realized that uh, I could definitely start using my own smartphone camera just in my everyday life because it's not always easy to lug a camera around. Uh, it's not very, uh, it's not always very practical either. So as you said, a smartphone is always with you. So it's it's uh, a very right. practical approach to photography for sure. Well, and I, I can I say a little bit more about that? Sure. I think that there's certain kinds of images that belong to us that are ours to make. And one of the concerns I have about beginning photographers is they walk up to a scene, they take three pictures, and then they walk away. And I don't think people shoot enough pictures. I do athletics. I'm a former competitive swimmer, and I still swim every day. When I get in the water, the water's cold. I don't want to be there. The first 10 laps, are rough. My muscles are tight. But after 10 laps, the endorphins kick in and my movements become a lot more fluid. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable in the activity of swimming. And I think any activity is like that. A musician would never do a performance without warming up first. An athlete would never play a game without warming up first. So I think as photographers, we need to warm up. You know, we need to engage the world gradually because presence and attention doesn't happen in a vacuum. We need to work into it, if you will. In teaching photography during the film era, statistically, many of the strongest pictures that I saw in the classroom 
were on frame number 36, the last frame on a roll of film. And why is that? That's because the photographer spent time and engaged the subject before they got to frame number 36. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. And I remember reading a little bit about that in your book as well, that people give up too quickly on shoots or on subjects that don't initially feel right to them. But in fact, you have right. to dive deep into it and dive into the subconscious and develop your intuition. And that's a good way to take yes. pictures. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And you, you need to um, you need to engage the subject, you know, for all of us. It takes a while to warm up to an activity. Yes. And I think the whole process of strengthening your intuition as a photographer is difficult. As you said, there's a solution to that, and that is to warm up during photo shoots. But is there anything else that photographers can do to have stronger intuitions creatively? You're going to find this answer surprising. I asked that same question of my teacher, Minor White. I said, Minor, how do you strengthen your intuition? And he looked at me and he pointed at his belly. And he said, intuition comes from down here. And I thought, wow, that's strange. But then over time, I realized the wisdom of the body is a powerful tool for opening to our intuition. How does that work? In mindfulness, we are asked to watch our breath, to simply be aware of our own breathing, to be aware of our own feet on the ground, to be aware of our heart beating and any tension or relaxation in the muscles. And ironically, when we begin to have a deeper self-awareness, our vision opens to the world, and most importantly, our mind quiets down. For intuition to appear, we need a quiet mind. The mind is usually very noisy. I mean, I'm talking to myself constantly about this and that. And intuition comes through the cracks of the conscious mind. Intuition comes from what I would call the deeper mind. So contact with the body really helps quiet the mind and helps one open to moments of intuition and inspiration. So practicing mindfulness in general outside of photography can help you develop your intuition as a photographer, right? Absolutely. You know, I think that the, the tools for mindfulness are profound. Um, mindfulness engenders both a deeper self-awareness and a, a much more alert relationship with the world itself yeah that's that's an interesting perspective again yeah it's true every time i'm more aware of my surroundings during a photo shoot i first of all enjoy the shoot more and i'm happier with my pictures because i'm not rushing anywhere i'm just taking photographs because i feel like it and i'm my own mind and body are guiding me there's nothing too complicated about it it's nice when it's simple basically when you're not overthinking <laughs> Right. And, and when the mind and body come together, we can reach that state of not overthinking. Overthinking a shoot is one of the biggest problems in photography. Our mind is too slow to capture a moment. 
we need contact with our instincts, our intuition, in order to capture a moment. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very interesting perspective. I want to go back a little bit to something that you briefly mentioned. You said that your parents gave you your first camera when you were 11 years old, right? Yes, when I was 11 years old. Well, what's interesting is even before that, when I was a baby, when I was one or two or three years old, my favorite toy was my father's broken camera. And then at age 11, um, they gave me a brownie Starmatic camera, a, a you know Kodak point-and-shoot camera, and I never looked back. It, when I was 12 or 13, my father built me a little dark room in the basement. Mm, that's really nice. And I was just curious um, as to why they bought you a camera specifically, but that makes sense now because uh, your father owned a camera, a broken one that you played with. So I guess that's the inspiration behind their, uh, their gift to you at age 11. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. Well, my father's job was taking pictures. He was a radiologist. So he took pictures inside of people's bodies, if you will. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, I was fascinated with that. I would love to go down to the hospital. And, you know, in those days, they developed x-rays in a dark room. And I loved being in the dark room, um, watching the x-rays being developed. So. You know, my dad's work as a radiologist is part of what attracted me to photography. Wow, that's very interesting. Because usually if somebody has a parent who's a photographer, they are actually photographers, they shoot people or they shoot nature, but your father was a radiologist. And that's still very much related to photography. That's fascinating. That's a really unique story. Thank you for sharing that. He he was shooting the inside of someone's body. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. I think that I learned from that because I think photographs that we make are always as much a self-portrait as they are about something in the world. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Yeah, again, very interesting uh, connection there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a cool story. I really like that. Uh, at this moment in your life, uh, is there a genre of photography that you find most fulfilling? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Well, I'm a landscape photographer. One of my principal concerns, my one of my principal agendas, if you will, is I'm deeply concerned about the environment and and what we as people do to it. And I feel we need a much much greater awareness of the environment if we're going to survive as a global people. 
So landscape photography is what I do. But as a teacher, my interests in photography are very democratic. I look at a lot of different kinds of work. Um, I love social documentary work. I love portraits, you know, and, and clearly my influences and my teachers were landscape photographers. That's really nice. Uh, I looked at your gallery recently and there was a collection of black and white photographs of uh, sand dunes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Very, very beautiful, uh, minimalistic shots that uh, stood out to me. I was interested uh, in the reason and your reason behind uh, choosing to shoot those specific photos in black and white. Well, uh, I have a book of those photographs coming out in November. Those photographs are from the Oceano Dunes on the central California coast. And the title of the book is Oceano, an Elegy for the Earth. So I see those photographs as metaphors for the power of nature and how it's being threatened. The, the very dark tones in the picture are metaphors for the environmental degradation. And the light, of course, is a metaphor of hope and of the power of nature. So I use both black and white and color. I take both black and white and color photographs. And, you know, like when you asked me about the, the equipment, I would say the right tool for the right job. Some photographs I, I need to make in color and others I need to make in black and white. I think black and white has the capacity to be very metaphoric. And in this particular body of work, I use black and white for that reason. I agree with you. I think uh, there's a time and a place and a technique for every picture. So it's just about, again, tuning in to your intuition mm -hmm. and finding a, a style that works for you in the moment. Yeah, there are some photographs I can't imagine not being in color. You know, there's other photographs I can't imagine I'm not being in black and white. It, it really depends on what I'm trying to say in a particular project. Oh, yes. I was recently editing some photographs that I took outside of deer, and I uh -huh. converted them to black and white. Goodness, absolutely terrible. They look much better in color. I was just horrified by how terrible they looked in black and white. But then in another situation where it's a more minimalist, minimalistic composition, for example, black and white. Uh, is more suitable for that. So it's uh, sometimes I expect something to look better in color or in black and white. And uh, often I'm surprised that it's the opposite of what I, what I thought it would be. So Well, that's the beauty of digital technology is we can experiment and explore. You know, I, I'm with you. I love um, taking a color photograph and looking at it as a black and white and being able to push a single button and go back and forth between the black and white and the color version. It's amazing. Remember, though. yes, sorry, go ahead. Remember that during the film era, we had to make a choice. We had to say, oh, I'm going to buy and use color film, or I'm going to buy and use black and white film. Well, yeah, I think we take all of these opportunities for granted now, don't we? I think we really do, yes. I think digital tools like Photoshop and Lightroom are extremely powerful. And yes, I, I think we're, we're 
we, we take them for granted. We, we fail to recognize how powerful and how amazing some of these tools are. Oh, yes. Do you think there's power and value in limiting yourself the same way that you were limited back in the film days, for example, telling yourself, I'll shoot only this many pictures or I'll only shoot in black and white? Is there value in that in today's modern world? I think there is. It's a really interesting exercise that we give in the college classroom. One week, I ask the students to only shoot one roll of film, 36 pictures. Now, whether they're using film or digital, I say only shoot 50 pictures this week. If you could make 50 pictures in a week, you'd be a great photographer. So they really have to think about what they're going to shoot. The next week, I ask them to take 500 pictures. Hmm. So the next week, they're sketching everything with a camera. And it's really interesting um, to see the results. And the first week, where they're only taking 50 pictures, we're seeing images that are not fully realized because they haven't had a chance to sketch out their ideas. When they shoot 500 pictures, we're seeing a lot of developing themes. And we're seeing some very strong pictures that arise from a deeper engagement with the subject. So I think it's a good exercise to limit yourself. I think it's, um, it's a good exercise of attention. But I also think there's value to doing the opposite which is to photograph everything that strikes your fancy. Again, I think it's a privilege that we do have the, all these options. We can choose to shoot in limited ways. We can choose to shoot as much as we want to. It's all about experimentation, I guess, and seeing what works for you in the moment. Yeah, and it's, it's all about money. In the film era, it costs a lot of money to buy film, to develop it, and to print it. So we can now shoot 500 pictures for virtually no cost. And the only cost would be whatever hard drive space we need to store them. Yeah, yeah, it's an astounding privilege. I don't think many people take the time, including myself, to really think about what a privilege it is and how many opportunities we really have as digital photographers in this very digital age. Yes, yes, I think that's true. I think that's very true. You've been very present during many changes in the photography community in the last few decades. In your opinion, how do you think photography is going to change in the next few years? Well, I think that we have successfully gone through the digital revolution. I mean, most photography is now digital. People have become very comfortable with digital cameras and digital editing tools. I think the next revolution is gonna be in how we use social media. Because what we have to understand, platforms like Instagram or Facebook are predominantly publishing platforms. You and I have the opportunity right now to take a photograph and put it on something like Instagram, which has a global reach. Think about the responsibility of that. And right now, I think that the public is using social media 
in an extremely superficial way. One could say even in a narcissistic way with yes. all the selfies and, you know, pictures of, of your food and this and that. Mm-hmm. But I think over time, we will recognize that social media is an incredibly powerful platform for making changes in our world, in our communities, for making people aware of what is taking place in different parts of the globe. And I think we have a responsibility. You know, there's two things I'd like to say. Number one, imagine if all photographers chronicled changes in their environment, in their immediate communities, and put it on Instagram. It would really begin to make a difference to how we view the environment. Secondly, I really believe in body positivity. I'm really dismayed by how many young, thin, white women put their pictures on Instagram. I think we need a much more diverse representation of people and and a much more open um, acceptance of different types of people, different body types, You know, in America, we're still struggling with gender discrimination, with racism. And my wish is that photography could help us realize the dream of equality for all and to really be responsible for the environment. That's a beautiful answer. So if uh, some of the listeners are interested in creating change on social media, should they just start by photographing the changes in their immediate environment? Is that, would that be a good place to start? I would say the best place to start is to ask the question, who am I? What is it that I see in the world in a unique way? What are my passions? What are my interests? You know, my aim is to photograph the environment, but other people I know are deeply involved in portraiture, are deeply involved in social documentary work. So who are you? And what do you have to bring to the world in the way you see the world? How do you see the world differently than I do? What can you teach me? What can I teach you? How can I influence you? How can you influence me? That's a great answer. And if somebody, let's say it's a beginner, because I remember... When I was a beginner, I wasn't really sure who I was as a person, let alone as a photographer. Do you have any tips for people like that who want to get a better sense of who they are and what kind of things they're passionate about? Yes. My first teacher, Minor White, said something to me that always stayed with me. It's It's the chapter title for the first essay in my new book, The Mind of the Photographer. And Minor White said to me, seek resonance. You will not be disappointed. So look at the world. Look at your own photographs. Which images, which scenes do you have a resonance with? Do you have a magnetic attraction to? And that becomes a reliable guide. When I look back at photographs I made when I was 11 years old, there's a few of them that I would literally keep in my portfolio today. Mm -hmm. Um, 
being able to understand resonance. The way I think about it is this. Let's say you want to get married. Do you walk out on the street and you find the first age appropriate or gender appropriate person and you say, okay, let's get married? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I mean, when you're looking for partnerships with other people, you're looking for resonance. Who do I resonate with on a very deep level? That's the person you want to marry. And it's the same with images. You know, what, what in the world do I resonate with on a deep level? And when I look at my own contact sheets, my own digital feed, if you will, which pictures do I resonate with? Which pictures make your heart beat faster? It's incredible. I've gotten advice from other photographers who said that you should look at other people's work and see what resonates with you in their portfolios, but I've never heard this version where you look at your own work and you see the photos that resonate with you the most from your own portfolio. It's quite a quite a fascinating approach and definitely something that I will try because I do struggle sometimes with styling, with trying to figure out the kind of images I want to take in the future. So I will take your advice. Thank you for sharing that. Well, and, and yes, and I do agree that looking at other photographers' work to discover where we resonate is also a very valuable tool. But I don't think we should just do that with other photographers' work. I think we should also do that with our own work. Yes, that's also powerful. Well, we do tend to take our own work for granted. And it's actually a great way for us to figure out more about ourselves, find out more about ourselves. It's a way uh, to self-discover. I've never thought of it that way. Looking at your old it's work. It's a way to self-discovery. And, you know, a lot of people in the world today have problems with self-esteem. You know, thinking I'm not good enough, you know, um, people don't like me or, or whatever, whatever your version of that story is. But I, I think that that's really what's beautiful about any art form. Any art form can help us uncover our own authenticity. And when we begin to uncover our authenticity, there's a power there, there's a strength there. And it helps us become who we really are. And in becoming who we are, there's a much deeper sense of confidence that arises. That's does that make sense? Yes, it does, yes. When you have a stronger foundation as a person that you can stand on, then it's easier for yeah. you to accept everything in the world with confidence. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure the listeners are very interested in finding out more about you. So if some of them want to see more of your work and to read your book, where can they find you? Well, uh, you can find out everything literally on my website, www.creativeguide, that's one word, creativeguide.com. And my books, my photographs, um, some elements of my teaching, it's all there, including my email, if anybody wants to reach out to me. And, you know, I would encourage listeners to, to look into my new book, The Mindful Photographer. I'm excited about it. I'm getting, um, it, it was just released literally on Thursday. And I'm already getting uh, positive responses. I'm giving a book talk um, 
a, a virtual book signing tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Hawaii time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern time. I'm not sure what time that is in Europe. Actually, it's 10 a.m. Hawaii time would be um, 11 p.m. your time. Yes, that's correct. So that, that's, that's late. <laughs> that's late. <laughs> oh, I would love to show up, though. It would be nice to attend your virtual book signing. <laughs> well, I'm going to give a lecture on the book. Um, so if, if you're up for staying up late, go to my website, go to the Mindful Photographer, and um, go to my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And the book talk is listed there. Okay. My Facebook page is just simply found under under my name, David Ulrich. Okay. But this episode will come out in a month or so. So I think. Oh, so that's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyone can buy your book at any time. So. Anyone can buy my book at any time. And, you know, it's available in, in booksellers, including including the monster Amazon. <laughs> oh yes, Amazon. Well, it's it's a great achievement. Uh, I want to congratulate you once again on publishing yet another book, and I will leave all the links to David's work and his book in the show notes. So, please check out his work. And I have one more question for you, David. What mm-hmm. is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh boy, that's a good question. <laughs> I have two different categories of achievement. I mean, yes, I would like to to get my work out in the world, which I'm doing through books. But I also feel a mission uh, to teach others to learn to see. And one of the things I like to say is I, I like to teach people to learn to see what is. Not how we want it to be or how it could be. But simply learn to see what is. Because if we're going to make positive change in the world, it has to begin from where we are. Does that make sense? It does, yes. It's a wonderful answer. And I think it's definitely very important to see the world as it is, to start from there. And from that point, you can start making great big changes in any way that you can. Yeah, and you know, what? yes, but let's just even look for little changes. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the things I tell my students is, I mean, America is deeply polarized. We have deep divisions in our country between conservatives and Democrats. And my voice and what I tell my students is seek in- incremental change. Don't expect to change everyone's mind all at once, but seek incremental change. Yes, I think it's something that we shouldn't take for granted either, because uh, one person makes small changes here and there, another person makes small changes, and then collectively that makes a big difference. So you don't necessarily yeah. pressure yourself to be this, you know, life changer, even though that would be nice. But if it's not, <laughs> right. small changes are just as valuable. Yeah, I mean, not not all of us are going to be Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. You know, or someone like that. But we can make small changes, positive changes in our own neighborhoods, our own communities, et cetera. Absolutely. David, thank you so much for 
sharing your story with me and for telling me about your book. I had so much fun learning about you and I'm so excited to see all the pictures that you'll take in the future. And hopefully I will be able to attend your virtual book signing. <laughs> well, Taya, it's a pleasure to meet you. And I look forward to when this comes out for your audience. Please do send me a link when it comes out. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed talking to your listeners. Likewise. Thank you so much. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I really enjoyed reading David's book on mindfulness. I highly recommend it because it's not just an informative book, but it's also very entertaining and interesting. It makes you think differently about yourself as a photographer. I learned a lot from this interview, and I hope you did too, and I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.